This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. You didn't even know how to describe Sal. It was just a uh, what a <laughs> what a does, career. He does so Canty much. Canty and Carlin, I'm Aaron Goldhammer, Randy Scott with you. We are presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The playoffs in the NBA about 10 days away. Randy, Joel Embiid has become the clear front runner for the MVP. So much so, some of the sports books have actually taken down the odds after his 52-point performance against the Celtics the other night. Well, you can listen to Joel. Heat Sixers tonight on ESPN Radio. Coverage starts 7 o'clock, and Roz Gold on Wooday is going to help call the action. She joins us now on ESPN Radio. Roz, let's start with Philly. What is your status update on the state of the Sixers as the playoffs draw near? I'm sorry, what is the status? Yeah, like give, give me, what is the state of the Sixers when you compare them to the other big-time teams in the East? Oh, okay. First of all, what's up? We over here at Wells Fargo Arena. Thank you. Hey, Roz. Um. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, and we're coming down to like that tricky part of the season where some teams are still fighting in a heated battle for seeding. Right now for the 76ers, it's pretty much all it's it's set up. They're going to be the three seed. They're locked in there right now what they're playing for in these final few games. They're going to you know prioritize health, but also rhythm and make sure they're heading in with the right amount of that. Um, they have, you know, MVP candidate in Joel Embiid, but in talking with Doc Rivers before the game, he said he felt that this team has a lot of depth, um, you know, that there's a toughness to them. Um, and I see a team that has had a drama-free season. You haven't had to worry about who is on the team, who isn't. People came in ready and shape. People sacrificed for the season, whether that was financially and James Harden or just physically or for shot selection or number of shots. You've got players who are experienced and veteran on the roster and a team that's had the ability to figure out some identity points this season, get some chemistry and rhythm together. And absolutely, you know, the, it's, it's not finals or bust, but the goal is they got to get out of the second round. And also keeping Joel Embiid healthy through a playoff run. So I would say that's where they are in the East. You know, the, the big storylines have been around the Bucks and and the Celtics, rightfully so. I just had the Bucks game last night. They clinched the one seed. And, man, they didn't even have Giannis last night. I'm not even going to hold you. They looked very, very, very good. We, Ross, we, <laughs> being around the Eastern Conference teams the way that you have, and we'll get to Miami here in a second. We don't want to upset upset Heat Nation and Heat Twitter, but our Heat culture. But when, when you look at the ceiling for Milwaukee, you look at the ceiling for Philadelphia and the ceiling for Boston, who's, who's, be, who's good is best? You know what I mean? Like, whose ceiling is highest in a potential Eastern Conference Finals matchup? Maybe even, yeah. you know, sending your, your representative on to the NBA Finals. Yeah, first you start all of this with those are three very good, very great teams. Mm. Um, health and rhythm matters. But I find in the playoffs, you know, defensive identity, physicality often um, is what makes a difference in advancing in these series. And when I look at the Bucs, um, that's a team that not only has a defensive identity. Um, when I look at the Celtics, that's a team that, you know, has shown their defensive identity is at their best when they are being physical and, and you know, working the other team hard. But, you know, I start with the Bucks. I literally just had them yesterday in Milwaukee. It's a team that's bringing veterans off the bench they have maturity they have depth everyone can hold anyone accountable 
There's no drop-off, you know, as far as accountability from starters to bench players. There's no drama. There's familiarity. The team's been together before. They play on both ends. And there's an unselfishness about their character. On top of, like, there are multiple players up for league awards on that team. Obviously, Giannis for MVP and... Um, you know, you, you had a defensive player of the year candidate in, in Brooke Lopez. You could say sixth player of the year candidate in Bobby Portis. Um, you know, Drew Holiday is a point guard that can lock up or give you 50 on any day. That team just, as again, health is key. Yesterday, Chris Middleton left the game in the first half yeah. due to a yeah. sore knee. That was un- unexpected, and that's worrisome. So we'll see, you know, what happens there but I, i'm you know overall like many people very impressed with the bucks the celtics looked a little shaky to end the season but that tandem that duo of jason tatum and, and jalen brown are uh the real deal and that's a team that i watched and covered through the playoffs last season and when it came down to it like when they're moving the ball it's not sticky they're finding one another on the offensive end and then defensively you know beating up on a team getting rebounds forcing turnovers and and you know being physical they were a hard out um and so i think for the you know you asked me about the 76ers as well for them i mean it it rests a lot on that second unit and being ready to make up for non-joel Embiid minutes on the court and they can do so by being active energetic um you know versatile switchable on the defensive end in those minutes that he's not there so it's not some huge drop-off and then you've got a number of players who can hoop. Tyrese Maxey in his third year now. Mm-hmm. Now James Harden has figured it out. That pick and roll with him and, and Joel is great. And then, you know, Tobias and, and a number of players, they're, they're looking all right. Roz Gold on Wude is with us. She'll be on the call. Heat Sixers, 7 o'clock Eastern tonight, ESPN Radio. I know, Roz, you're familiar just with your background with them. So from, from sort of afar, and I, you've been with them, I think, a little bit this year. What am I to make of the Warriors' chances of repeating? On the one hand, it's still Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins is back. On the other hand, I look at their road record, and it's it's kind of hard to take seriously, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm an old-fashioned basketball person. I believe building habits matters. I don't like the switch mentality. Um, I believe, you know, you've got to win on the road, you know, to be a team that can be taken seriously. I am concerned about what happened in the regular season, even though they are the Warriors, (laughs) even though they are the defending champions. I do think it means something. And um, I don't think the Warriors are so... uh, overconfident to not recognize that that was important. However, um, Stephen Curry being Stephen Curry is, you know, the production, the efficiency, the um, the dependability of what he does and how he creates for others is absolutely monumental. Draymond Green, I would say, is probably the second most important player on that team, and he's going to win them a playoff game or two that maybe they, they shouldn't have, you know, just with his IQ, his heart, his quarterbacking on D. You know, I also want to point out they had a number of players improve over the course of the season, including Clay Thompson, who came in a little out of shape. He played his way into shape. Um, he stopped pressing. He evolved in his role. He's playing more minutes at the four and forward position. He's getting more physical and committing to rebounding more. Dante, D- Dante DiVincenzo was given more opportunity with Wiggins out and came through there, brought, you know, 
heart on defense, energy, you know, helps with the, the, the top guys move that ball and then hit an open shot. There are a number of players. And then Kaminga, I think, you know, in the beginning, the young guys were just not ready. And then the game really just got more simple for him. And he's looking like his potential on top of his athleticism is very exciting. Um, so those are all good things. You know, when the Warriors struggled on the road, it had to do with defense. Um, defending without fouling on the road was an issue. Not allowing open threes was an issue. And turnovers, which is always their Achilles heel uh, every year for the Warriors that I've known them. So those are the things they'll be wary of on the road and at home. But you can't win a championship if you can't win a road. It's, it's, you can't, that's, not, that's not how playoffs work. And they know that. And um, Andrew Wiggins coming back, I think, is going to be significant. But remember, he came back from injury and a little COVID, a little illness. And he struggled coming back earlier in the season. So I wonder how he'll do with all this time off and just incorporating him after the Warriors figured out a few things. But I think you're obviously better when you have Wiggins than when you don't. I mean, Roz, you run through that resume. I think about the Sacramento Kings who had this incredible season and everybody's lighting the beam all year long and boom, they go into the playoffs and who do they have to deal with but the four-time <laughs> champion Golden State Warriors. It's almost unfair. Roz, appreciate the time. We'll look forward to listening tonight. Heat Sixers and then gear up and get ready. We're only a couple days away from the playoffs. Thanks for the time. No problem. Have a good one, guys. All right, that's Roz Gold on Wooday, ESPN NBA reporter and analyst. The other team I wouldn't take lightly. I know they're probably going to be the seven in the East, but the Heat in the playoffs are always a tough out, and they might get Boston rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals from last year in the first round. You can tune in NBA action tonight. Sixers hosting the Heat, presented by Indeed. Coverage starts 7 o'clock Eastern on Select, ESPN radio stations, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Canty and Carlin's on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Everyone's saying it's a three-team race in the Eastern Conference, that the Knicks had a great year and the Cavs are a fun story. First time in the playoffs without LeBron since 98. But it's Boston, it's Milwaukee, it's Philadelphia. Would you consider anybody else a contender in the East, Randy? No, it's one of those three. I have a hard time coming up with a definitive contender outside of the Eastern Conference as well. I think you I think you feel the same way. You feel like the NBA champions coming out of the Eastern Conference? Yes. I think one of those three teams is going to win the title. I could see Phoenix getting it together, but to do it on the fly is tough. It really I is. I mean, Durant's hardly played. I mean, that, that, that bucks every trend I know of the way basketball works. I know Durant is an incredible player, but something tells me that when they face adversity, they, they don't have any habits really to lean back on as a team. Next year, I'd take the Suns super seriously if Durant is healthy. But I think it's likely that one of those three teams is going to win the title. And, and I keep – it feels like every night, Randy, I'm changing the order of how I rank the three. And I'm not <laughs> sure it goes the way that the standings go, right? <laughs> is it based on health? I mean, they, they all have – MVP candidates. Let, let's let's not lose sight of the fact that Jason Tatum was playing at an MVP level and just got his, his doors blown off by Joel Embiid and, and by Giannis within his own conference. And I, I would put his season up there with what Nikola Jokic has done. I know you're yeah. a Nuggets fan, and I know yeah. that you you don't mind seeing uh, the dad bod god not win his third straight M- NBA MVP. But uh, but they the, the Celtics go as Jason Tatum takes them. He has a he has a one A in Jalen Brown, 
And I think Brown's ceiling being higher than any of the also-rans that Giannis has and, quite frankly, any of the supporting cast that Philadelphia has, that's what keeps Boston in the discussion. But they need max output from both of their main stars, whereas Philadelphia can get a a down night from Giannis and still win. And likewise, Philadelphia doesn't need 50 every night from Joel Embiid. You know, the Bucks have the pressure of they won it a couple years ago, Giannis locked up. Like all of those jitters that I think Philly could be susceptible to don't apply at all, I think, to Milwaukee. But the big concern with them is health. Are they going to have Middleton? That injury last night is concerning, and Boston beat them without Middleton last year. The Celtics are better because of Brogdon. I think that was a really big addition. They were turning the ball over like crazy in the finals last year. Uh They finally have a bona fide ball handler. And then the Sixers on paper, you know, just in terms of depth, might have the best team of all three of them. But again, I look at Harden in the playoffs and Doc Rivers blowing 3-1 leads, and I just look at the history of that, Randy, and I have trouble in my mind. Maybe it's unfair, but I have trouble in my mind overcoming it. No, that's, it, it is fair. What we saw, so you have to train your mind to, you have, you have to convince yourself of something you haven't yet seen. And we haven't yet seen the Boston Celtics with a competent NBA Finals caliber point guard. They have that this year, whether it's Derek White, whether Malcolm Brogdon is in big spots. We know, though, it's not Marcus Smart. And that is one thing that Philadelphia has. No matter how you feel about James Harden, he can at least bring the ball up the floor. It's the decisions that he makes after that. Does he decide to play... You know, Leroy Jenkins hero ball, like here we go. You know, <laughs> or is he gonna continue to be the facilitator that we've seen this season that's led to Joel Embiid being the prohibitive MVP favorite? And I would say Giannis is the best player, the second best player is Embiid, and the third best player on the three teams is Jason Tatum. So it's not like one of these teams has like two of the top three guys in the conference. They each have their own equal MVP level star. And while I think the bench matters and the coaching matters and health may be the biggest factor of all, I have trouble getting around the idea that whichever one of those three guys plays the best, their team is going to end up coming out of the East and then probably winning the NBA championship. Pressure is an interesting idea here, and I think Philly is feeling it. What did Tim Bontemps think? He is an ESPN NBA reporter, and he was asked which team has the most pressure in the East entering the playoffs. There's pressure across the board. I mean, I think there's more pressure on Nikola Jokic and on Denver than on any team in the league. When you look at how dominant they've been, the number one team in the West all year, dominant home court advantage team, right? Jokic is going to probably finish first or second in MVP for a third year in a row, could win a third one in a row. They have no excuses from a health standpoint. Everybody's available. Like, they got to win. They're the one seed. They can't be going out. Like, they played the Lakers in the first round. People are going to be saying, well, the Lakers could beat them. I don't think the Lakers could beat them. But, like, they can't lose the Lakers in the first round. What would the consequence be for Philly or Denver losing early? Uh, Doc Rivers is done in Philadelphia. Wow. After this season, you, you can't... You can't have another early exit with an improved, durable roster. Joel yeah. Embiid, yeah. and and a somewhat because what what will happen to Doc is that he will lose credit for the impact he's had on James Harden to get him to buy in to the extent that he has. Okay, yeah. turnovers down, assists up, right? He will lose that credit 
because the focus will be on the result. And he has had too many early exits with that talented of a roster. So yeah. for Embiid to win the MVP and then have yeah. it be the same result, someone yeah. has to fall on the sword, and that would be Doc Rivers. And it, So if they were to lose to the Celtics in round two in seven games, is Doc back or is Doc gone? Doc's gone. Oh, Doc's so they've gone. Got to, they've got to make the conference finals. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. I mean, wow. remember, the, remember the last time... You know, it, it hasn't just been Boston handing them early defeats. It's been, I mean, they made the Atlanta Hawks Atlanta. Look. Yeah. yeah. You know? But, the, but that was, to Roz, Roz's point, like, the the drama was always dripping from Philly because of the Ben Simmons situation, and mm-hmm. did he want to be there, and, did, you know, did, could you trust him down the stretch? But they don't have to deal with any of that anymore. I mean, that's now somebody else's problem. Uh, and I think they have a team that the roles are pretty clear. Who who would you trust on Philly with the ball? One point game. They're one point down to Boston with five seconds to go. Do you go inside to Embiid? Does Harden take that shot? I might put the ball in Tyrese Maxey's hands in that spot. I'd go with Joel Embiid and I would sleep so well with the result. His crunch time numbers this season, I don't have them. In front of me, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a pop quiz right now, and I want to make sure I get them right. But his crunch time numbers have been have been electric. Uh, I I would not want Harden to take that shot. I I understand what you're saying about Maxi. I could see it from DeAnthony Melton at, at times as well. Maybe if you know Embiid draws a collapsing defense, it's a kick situation. If it's a two point game and you're looking for a win, but Embiid yep. is the guy. Embiid is that guy. Up next, Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft. They might be on the outs, and one person thinks patience is wearing thin. We discuss it coming up. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He's Randy Scott. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors... You're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Well, over the course of the next 10 minutes, Randy and I are going to try to break up Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. We'll see if we can make it happen on Canty and Carlin. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He's Randy Scott, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80, you can tell your smart speaker, say, hey, play ESPN Radio, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. It appears without our meddling, Randy, that Belichick and Kraft have never been more on different pages than they are about (laughs) Mac Jones right now, today, on April the 6th. 
it's uh, yeah, it's not just who Mac Jones is and what he projects to be and what he's done so far. It's his it's his attitude. It's it's how either empowered or supported or both Mac Jones feels to challenge Bill Belichick's way of doing things. Uh, yeah. On down yep. to to who he consulted last season when he was having you know trouble with the way things were going in New England. Look, I can't blame him for trying to get whatever help he feels like is going to get him over the hump or playing better. Um, But the idea that Belichick would shop him, to me, that only makes sense in a potential trade if the Patriots are going to go in and go after Lamar Jackson. And if you know you only have the best coach of all time for another two or three years, I mean, would you rather try to win with Mac Jones or would you rather try to win with Lamar? Like, I I don't think Mac can be mad about the idea that they would really look into the possibility and be the one team that would consider actually making a move that involved Lamar. No, it does it have to is it a zero sum game though in your estimate it, it's Lamar or or nothing. Yeah. What if what yeah. if when some of these offers were made, some of the shopping was done? What if at the time, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was still a 49er? You know, what if yeah. what if there was a tug toward or a pull toward someone with Patriot ties? And I and I and I I wonder when these offers were made. I don't think they were all made in rapid succession. I don't think they were all made on the same day, but I have to believe the tires were kicked short of the Lamar Jackson price tag. And I mean that literally and yeah. figuratively because I don't know that the Patriots have the space to give Lamar the kind of contract he would want. Yep. Remember the Kraft comments at the owners meeting last week were that he talked to Meek Mill and Meek Mill said that Lamar Jackson wants to play for the Patriots. And then he was asked, hey, are you guys going to go after Lamar? And he said, that's a Belichick thing. And if I'm Belichick, I'm going to call Kraft's bluff and say, "Okay, if that's really my decision, because going after Lamar is the owner's decision. It feels like for 31 other teams or for 30 other teams. Right. The guaranteed money and all that. That's an ownership conversation. Bill's like, hey, if you're giving me the power to be the owner, then I'm going to pay Lamar whatever guaranteed money I want to pay him to try to get him in here. Sal Palantonio joined us earlier today. Of course, the NFL legend. I think Randy described his role with ESPN. It's so overwhelming. He <laughs> described. I'll let you. I'll let you handle it. How did you describe it, Randy? I, I was like, <laughs> Sal Palantonio, uh, our ESPN. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> just sort just, of grunted it's, through it's it. NFL match it's everything everything well, anyway he, he everyone knows Sal Powell that's all you have to say he thinks patients wearing a bit thin up at Gillette Stadium Bill Belichick wants to break Don Shula's record he's got 18 games to tie 19 games to pass Don Shula as the all-time winningest coach Robert Kraft wants that to happen in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium but how long can they hold out? Let's say they win seven, eight games, maybe this year. So now you got you're going into 2025 or 24, 25 before you're going to get it done. So how long are they going to wait? And to me, that is the number one issue. Uh, Mr. Kraft is not getting any younger. He wants to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I believe he's on the doorstep of going in soon and should go in. But he's Right now, looking at a team that hasn't been in the playoffs but one time since Tom Brady left and hasn't won a playoff game. So they got to start winning. They got to start winning games. And I think they're all getting impatient up there. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He's Randy Scott. So, you know, in in this situation, I got to be honest, looking at their roster, Randy, I, I don't. 
Are they a Super Bowl playoff contender? Hell no, given their current state of affairs. Who's the best player on the Patriots right now? Oh, boy. Uh, J.C. Jackson, the, the, the corner? Like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, or I guess he's gone. Out of yeah. Kyle Duggar. Like, who is the best player on their team? Uh, if it's you look at that AFC, yeah. I mean, th- so look, the Jets are going to be projected to be better. The Dolphins are probably going to be projected to be better, and the Bills are going to be projected to be better. I mean, not, Bilicek's not a miracle worker, and I think that a lot of the preview stuff – and our experts at ESPN are going to have them more likely in last place in that division than first. Yeah, they're not a they're not a playoff team is presently constructed. Now, unless there is a Bill O'Brien magic effect on this offense, unless Mac Jones takes not one but two big steps forward. And to answer your question, who's the best player on the pit? It's probably Matthew Judon. But we know that one defensive player does not a defense make, nor does it a playoff run, you know, guarantee. So no, it, 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 roster talent construction-wise, it is the fourth best. If Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, it's the fourth best roster in the division. It's the worst. Yeah. Put it put it worse. It is the worst roster in the division. Yeah, so how can uh, you know Kraft have Super Bowl expectations? Uh, Tom Brady <sighs> doesn't play here anymore. Right. Rob Gronkowski is on a cruise. Rob Gronkowski's <laughs> not our tight end anymore. <laughs> just in general. You just know this off the top of your <laughs> I, I, I tried to name their best player, and I named a guy who plays for the Los Angeles Chargers. Like, what, is that, <laughs> what does that tell you about the current state of affairs in New England? I, I think they've all got to get practical and real. And if they decide they want to start over, look, Bill's been there a long time. Could you envision him coaching somewhere else? Because I kind of could. I kind of could see him saying, hey, I want to I wanna finish my career with a new, fresh opportunity, just like Tommy Brady did. See if I could go win one somewhere else. I can't. I can't see it. I, he's 70 years old. Like, at some point, he, do you want to spend more time on the boat? Do you want to... Do you want to go back and coach the Naval Academy? Like, you know, what do you what do you want to do? I maybe well, he football. wants the record. I mean, I, I agree with Sal there. He wants this record, and he's got to win eighteen more games. And uh, given the Patriots roster, what's that going to take? Four years? It potentially could. Okay, so if he goes record chasing, does he? Where does he go? Where could you see him coaching? Um, all right, let me think about Say this it. for a second. Say it. Um, uh, like Los Angeles. Oh. Um. Oh, I yeah. Thought, I think you say a little closer to home for you there. Um, uh, Cleveland Browns. Go, I, I mean, he, look, he, here's here's what I would say about that. The Browns have a quarterback. The Patriots, I think in Bill's mind, don't. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that Bill realizes, given the history of the situation, you take the Cleveland Browns to the Super Bowl. Nobody is arguing that you are the greatest coach of all time. I'm just trying to find the situations where there could be a coaching change after this year. You know, I was thinking about McVay, you know, going to the booth. I don't know that the Rams have the assets, but I know the Giants is an organization he's always had a lot of respect for. And I guarantee you he's never going to go coach the Jets in a million billion years. So those are the those are the two teams you could either rule in or rule out, given the circumstances. And I don't think he's going to the Cowboys. Which I could you imagine? Oh my! Sports Center would do. You'd have to work twenty four <laughs> consecutive hours doing updates. Belichick and Jerry Jones together in Frisco. Can you imagine that? He he would. I mean, that would be continuous coverage of that press conference, and it would be the most. Just because he goes to Dallas, it wouldn't mean you know that 
it would be a more entertaining presser. It would just be an, you know, the same mumbles in different shades of blue. That's all it would be. But he is someone who respects the history immensely, the history of the game, the history yeah. of the league, yeah. and the brands that help build it. And I think the Cowboys check that box. Yeah. Um, update at Augusta, just to get a little feel of the leaderboard here. We have a three-way tie atop with Victor Hovland of Norway, John Rahm of Spain, and Brooks Kepka of the Live Golf Tour in the United States. Do you have a problem rooting for the Live guys? Um, a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I, we know where the money's coming from. Yeah. We know that it was a money grab. It's weird. I can kind of like I don't fault them for doing what's best for their families, but uh-huh. I still fault the fact that we all know where that money's coming from, and we're not I talking know. about it loudly enough. Me too, but I mean, if they said to me, we'll pay you $100 million to go broadcast the live golf tour, <laughs> and I look at my family in the eye, and I turn that down, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, Cam Young is two shots back. Jason Day, two shots back. How about Shane Lowry's in a group? Three off, so is Xander Shoffley, and Adam Scott, who I haven't heard from since they made the new rules about putting, but the Australian is three back. He is four under par. Rough day, to say the least. Uh, for Tiger Woods, who mm-hmm. finishes the day, what was he, two over, three over? I'm trying to find him on the leaderboard two, two here. Two over on his day. He's two over, so he's nine back today after shooting 74. He is tied for 54th place. Up next, is one of the best receivers in the NFL considering retirement? We explain in three and out. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He's Randy Scott, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming. FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, Aaron Goldhammer, Randy Scott, in for the guys, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're on Sirius XM. You can listen to us on Channel 80. I think that's Sirius XM, not XM. Got it. Uh, channel 80, just to clarify what channel we're on. You can also ask your smart speaker to play uh, ESPN Radio. And it is time for three and out. Number one, Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill was on the Totally Offensive podcast. Got to listen to that. He's going to finish out his contract, apparently, Randy, with the Dolphins. Goes through 2025. Then he's interested in other things. Says he's going to retire after the 2025 season. After the 2025 season. Okay, so that's, he's, let's see, he's 28, so spin it forward three, so 31. That's as a 10-year NFL career where... Okay, I mean, the, the I mean, only... Look, he's, he's won a Super Bowl, he's been yeah. paid a ton of money, and he knows that he works a job where every hit he takes takes him one step closer to concussions and CTE and all of that. And uh, where speed is one of the first things that goes, right? And when your game and your self-preservation, right? Because he runs, literally runs away from hits yep. uh, that could shorten his career. So when that speed goes... That puts, I mean, he's undersized. That puts his safety literally in jeopardy. I could, I could see it. It seems uh, 
it seems like another thing that makes us feel old. You know what I mean? But for Tyreek, though, like, I don't know what's going to happen in the next three years. Like, are we all even going to be here? I hate to be morbid, but trying to plan your career <laughs> three years in advance. Good luck. Uh, New Orleans Pelicans Executive Vice President of Basketball Ops David Griffin announced the following update on Zion Williamson a couple minutes ago. Quote, after further evaluation, it has been determined that Zion will continue his rehabilitation and conditioning regimen. We will update and monitor his progress will be provided as warranted. The update is there is no update. <laughs> oh, you don't say. Uh, it's a. Do you remember at some point this season, we were talking about New Orleans as a representative in the NBA Finals? For the Western Conference, because Brandon Ingram hadn't come back yet. Zion was balling. CJ McCollum fit in so well. Uh, Uh, Jose Alvarado is a spark plug. Like it was just everything was lined up for them. And it's amazing how quickly that can fall apart. And they can't keep this guy healthy for three weeks. No, they can't. And I, I, and, I wonder how much of it is, you know, the the shape that he's in, the body type, whatever. But I, yeah. I think now this is a big career crossroads because, you know, they gave Zion the money with the contract extension, but he has been hurt every single year of his career. And if he can't stay on the court, like, I just don't know how you pay that guy that much money, but they are. They, yeah, I, it, it's because of what he means, I guess, to the community and the ticket sales and everything else. But eventually, you're right. You have to be able to play more than 40 games a year. You just availability, right? That's your best ability. Yeah. yeah. And he is. I mean, you think Anthony Davis is injury prone. Zion's the most injury prone guy in all of sports. <laughs> Three and out. Canty and Carlin. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He's Randy Scott. Now, Fernando Tatis hit a home run last night. During his second minor league rehab game, he's with AAA El Paso, where he's playing for the next two weeks as he completes his 80-game suspension for Major League Baseball. A video highlight was tweeted out with the caption, Cade McClure will be telling people for years about the time he gave up an absolute nuke to Fernando Tatis Jr. Cade McClure responded... Cheater hits a home run on a rehab assignment during steroid suspension. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Whoo, Cade McClure off the top rope. He was ready for it. Yeah, that's a WrestleMania, that's a WrestleMania three flying elbow. Uh Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on the receiving end. Um, man, you know, it, it, I, I looked at what Tatis said. He said this is gonna be by far the most emotional season of my career. Okay. Uh, and I'm looking forward to embracing that. Are you though? Are you really? Because it was insecurity that drove you to that needle in the first place, was it not? Right? Yeah. A fear of injury recovery and delivering on the massive contract. And uh, I, listen, I, I'm not going to get into the psyche of what drives someone to do that, but the, the toll will be paid 81 yep. times this year. There are no 81 doubt. road games away from San Diego, and that yeah. toll is going to be paid every night. And, and you think he'll be booed mercilessly like the Houston Astros everywhere yes. he goes? I do. I, that th- That's one thing that baseball opposing baseball fans can agree on and rally around is the what sanctity of the game, the code of the game. It seems to mean more in baseball than it does in others, um, yeah. and I, I think Tatis is going to learn that. I mean, for all the guys, he has as much natural talent to play the game as anybody. And the sport, you know, while they have the pitch clock and everything in place, they need Fernando Tatis not to be the enemy, but they kind of need him to be likable. 
Um, the other thing with the Padres, I, I've just learned it's hard to buy a championship in sports. Normally, you have to have a well-rounded team and not just a bunch of stars that you threw together. And it feels like that's exactly what the Padres are trying to do. I just want to say good luck with that in a division that also has the Los Angeles Dodgers. All right, that is three and out. Yesterday, I was driving near my home in Cleveland, Ohio. I got ticket 41 in a 25. Cop pulled me over, nailed me, gives me the ticket. And I don't even know if I was really going 41. 41 in a 25. So here's the question. It's my second ever speeding ticket, Randy. Do I just pay it or do I hire a lawyer and try to go toe-to-toe with the city of Cleveland Heights and try to take them down in a court case to win back the money and the points on my license. What do you do? Do you fight the ticket or do you just pay it off? Pay it because the lawyer is going to be more expensive than what the ticket is. It really is. And I know your insurance might go up a little bit, but what's your grounds for char- for fighting it? What's your I don't know. I, I got a marked sign. Here's the thing. I got to retrace the path. I take some <laughs> pictures with my phone and hire a detective and go. Yeah, I, I respect just, it. I, I, I just, I really don't want to pay this ticket. And there's nothing. It puts you in a bad mood for days. Pay the when ticket. When you get a ticket like that. It, the smarter discretion, better part of valor. Just no, pay I, it. I want to go to court and I want a judge <laughs> and I want a lawyer and I want a jury. Up next, Heat Sixers on most of these ESPN radio stations. This has been Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.